I first would just want to say thank you. Thank you for the service of let, like keeping our our lives going <laughs> and to be safe. Hearing there are the words and a little of the music of one Haley Four, F O H R, that's spelled. Resident of the great Midwestern city of low bridges, big shoulders, and much less vehicle traffic these days than it once was more customary along its highways to see. That'd be Chicago, of course. Four is a singer songwriter behind a collaborative project called Jackie Lynn. The second record from Jackie Lynn is out now from the Chicago based Drag City label. It's called Jacqueline. And I brought Four to the podcast today because though her work is certainly a departure from what Musical Fair has aired on Overdrive Radio in the past, for sure, the record is in its conception uh, imagining a journey taken by a singular highway pilot behind the wheel of a Class 8 rig whose exterior is a mirror to the world around it. I'm Todd Dills, and in this edition of Overdrive Radio, we'll roll along with the trucker behind the wheel of that rig, the Jackie Lynn character herself, as Four explains it taking the very world around her as her cargo in a singular way. Before the end of that haul, too, we'll go back to trucking podcast audiobook format for the latest two of uh, Overdrive Extra contributor Paul Marhofer's Dispatches from the Road. Here's a little more from the track you heard at the top, Dream Street, something of an ode to Ogden Avenue, one of the Chicago streets where U.S. Route 66 began, cuts across the southwest side. personal history know that I lived in Chicago for close to a decade myself long ago. For my last few years there I worked the door at a bar called the Skylark at Halstead and Cermak. Several blocks east of the area where Four lives today I wondered first what life was like at this moment for her. It's very quiet. Um, I guess as an artist there's sort of two realms to my life. One is my touring performance realm and the other is sort of at home, in isolation, writing music. Um, so in right. some ways, it doesn't feel too disruptive. It's just I expect it to be in the other realm <laughs> where we'd be playing shows every night and socializing with folks and sort of celebrating this record that we have been writing the last couple of years. But, um, you know, right. it's all for the greater good and... We're just taking it day by day. I live with my partner. He's also in Jackie Lynn, um, and we have a cat. So I feel grateful to have, like, a backyard in the city, and, you know, we're taking care of each other and checking in on our friends. Cool. Where did uh, – what is his name? His name is Cooper Crane, and he is in a couple other musical outfits on Drag City, including Bitchin' Bajas and caves yeah he's helped me with a lot of my art in the last decade um 
Okay. It's a pretty perfect scenario. <laughs> She's been making music in Chicago and on the road for much of the last decade of her life. The new record follows the previous Jackie Lynn project that you might call something of a false start in its conception, at least from her perspective. This record is the second chapter of a stream of a, the life of a character I created in 2016 called Jackie Lynn. Um, and initially she sort of had this cowboy by way of public transit, um, sort of like working outside of the law vibe. And, okay. and while we were touring that record, um, I actually like met some cowboys like real cowboys in Marfa, Texas, who sort of like live in the desert and eat off snake meat and don't have much to their name. And there was something about that occurrence that sort of made me realize I was appropriating like a real culture. Um, and I didn't really know, really know much about it. And um, it just felt like um, the knowledge sat within me that I couldn't really return back to that um that kind of i don't know character scope so okay. took some time away from it and we continued on the next four years cooper and bitchin bajas and i started making our own music separately and then um i had to tour for two and a half years on my last record um as circuit des and i travel solo a lot um I think I went on my first solo trek to Europe when I was 20 and I traveled by train by myself. This was pre iPhone for me. So it was yeah. pretty, you know, just running into strangers, buying tickets along the way. And it's been 10 years ever since of just sort of traveling. And um, through that process, I think I've had this really intense internal conversation with myself and, it was maybe manifesting in challenging ways, like becoming an obstacle in my life where people that were close to me, like didn't really know me. It felt like, um, and so through talking with a couple other musicians who felt the same way, I decided to create this archetype and, um, she, the premise is that she wakes up from her first chapter of Jackie Lynn alone in the desert and there is an idling truck um, next to her. It's a new world in which the atmosphere is too heavy with debris and it can't handle any more lies. So any lie that's spoken crystallizes into a salt form and falls to the earth. So it's this really harsh terrain. And she jumps into the semi that is mirrored in which all the weight of the world is her cargo. And she is driving around following a map that she finds atop on the ceiling of the cab and that's kind of where all of these songs come from um okay. and the idea of a truck truck i've never personally um driven a long haul truck it is something i would love to do but i do have a couple anecdotes and stories that i think have sort of like burrowed that archetype away in my life as like this really benevolent mysterious stranger <laughs> okay yeah i mean even if you think back to like one of my earliest memories is riding like a public school bus and driving past the semi and every kid is doing that gesture with their arm to make the driver honk their horn and it was sure. sort of like 
a superpower, you know, like everyone erupts and cheers and um, you never see the person again. But it, even something as simple as that sort of embedded this, I don't know, like maybe it's like Santa Claus to me still or something. <laughs> even as far as like, like the mythology of it, I, you know, I yeah. travel by train, car, the highways and the fact that truckers have their own side of the gas station, like my imagination can run wild. Like what's going on over there? Or like what kind of discounts do these, you know, like there's definitely layers of culture that I can tell even from being an outsider. Um, and it's, it's also like decades and decades long. I feel like being a truck driver, I mean, thankless work you know there's something invisible about it um i i i think i remember someone even referring to them as the gentle giants of the road like great the great whales of the highway the knights <laughs> and, and the knights of the highway too we <laughs> hear all the time too yeah yeah Do you have the sense of um, uh, each of each of these uh, each of these songs actually? I don't get the sense that you're quite literally going to particular places uh, in these necessarily. Although there are two named uh, spots uh, in the titles of songs, Odessa and uh, Lenexa, I believe, right? I did actually map out um, a like a journey that could physically take place. Um, okay. The songs are arranged in a way chronological to that, but they are actually all based on a real place. But I think that the environment, the timbre of each song speaks to if it's maybe an introverted situation or an extroverted situation, which right. I think we all are kind of, I mean, that's another thing about when you travel alone, it's, it's a duality it's like pretty um contrasting you know when you fall into those introverted versus extroverted situations socially you know Casino Queen's actually a casino in St. Louis, or East St. Louis. Um, okay, okay. Yeah, so it's not too far from Chicago. Um, right. Diamond Glue is definitely set in, like, Arizona, New Mexico territory, like, that okay. scene. Um, 
like you said, Lenexa, Kansas is a real place. It's actually one of the main um, headquarters distribution centers for Amazon. I found out. Um, I love the I love the lyrics in there. That song actually kind of feels like almost like a um, if there's anything that is kind of like actually you know a, a, a kind of nod toward uh, trucking itself. Metaphors made out of um, trucks back into docks. I think that's they're quite beautiful. I I was trying to write like a lullaby, you know, for maybe like the weary late load in <laughs> and the person behind that transaction um my personal santa claus <laughs> What about um, the Traveler's Code of Conduct? I love that. Uh, it's got that nice repeated guitar line. To what, where? Uh, what's the What's the story behind that one? Um, that song is sort of like a sound poem of advice to folks who are either looking to change their lifestyle to being more transient, and or trying to take, you know, a long term um, journey. And they're all really simple sort of one-liners of things that I have learned in my life and things that maybe kind of are second nature to me by now. But um, it's sort of this, it starts off as this well-intentioned guide of what it's like to be on the road and things you should abide by. And then toward the center, it sort of cracks and um, becomes more first person of a driver and sort of, the places that your thoughts can go. Um, right. One of the lines is like, I'm thinking of past lives. I'm thinking of having a kid. Um, and it was probably my most surprising lyric because I kind of like admitted something to myself, maybe. It's definitely an introspective song on the spectrum. <laughs> Travel light, share your thoughts, turn your eye to. And it's, it's also sort of got that, um, got that traveling feel to it, you know, to me. There's a lot that is just, uh, is it, is it, it's like a sense of something repeating over and over again, you know, but uh, it's going a lot of places at the same time. There's something meditative about taking long drives and repetitive music has always helped me through them and there's a section in the middle of that song that um i it's gets kind of dark and talks about a deep sky and that is from a really specific <laughs> drive i was taking and uh i don't know i was i was somewhere in like the netherlands 
it was like three in the morning after a show and I was driving down this tiny dark road and the shrubbery just kept growing closer and closer to the windshield and I couldn't see anything and I was just sort of we've all been on those drives where whether it's like a storm or snow but you you could only see like a few inches in front of your car and you're just sort of like uh, relying on your instincts and also like a little bit of luck. Odessa. Is this Odessa, Texas? Safe to presume? It is. Yeah. Why, why Odessa? Um, I like I like the terminology of the term of what Odessa means. It means like a journey, uh, okay. and kind of an odyssey. Um right. and it was a song that helped me grapple with feeling um joy and in being a human um i guess pro like traveling reminds me of progress and i think we're kind of like a progress obsessed society and i can't help but feel as of late with this new consciousness we have about what our species is and how we can be a better species to the earth um i'm just like filled with guilt with like everything that every action i take whether it's like going to the grocery store and everything's wrapped in plastic to like um, trying to get somewhere and fossil fuels are emitting into the atmosphere. It's uh, like an existential um, qualm and Odessa is kind of about the price of the odyssey and like um, just dancing sort of like this anthem to the end of like, you can't change everything and uh, we deserve right. to feel good and, you know, that put on a death right. and dance to it, you know. Oh, G-E-S-S-A, I can see Human League running away. this to add directly to the pros out there too. Consider it a final send-off from her of a fashion for you and us and for the future. I, I, I still do the arm pump even as an adult and I <laughs> continue to. And that is, that's, one, that's one oral piece of history that I think we should both keep our ends going, you know? <laughs> Uh, keep Let's doing keep, it the, keep doing the everybody do the arm pump and 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 for the drivers out there uh, blow that horn exactly if you're interested in exploring more from the band you can catch videos for dream street casino queen 
among other of the tracks on the Jacqueline record via Jackie Lynn's Instagram profile. The handle is the, T-H-E-E, real Jackie Lynn. Find links to the record and more via the Channel 19 blog post for April 17th, which also houses this podcast. That's overdriveonline.com slash channel19. Now, shifting gears back to the road, with our own long-haul Paul Marhoffer's dispatches trucking through the crisis, thankful for those food and beverage lows, but personally dealing with difficult decisions that will no doubt be familiar to so many of you this strange season. Here's Paul. Midwestern God strikes back. Mild winter gives way to tough decisions this COVID-19 season. By Long Haul Paul. Read by the author. There's a cattle rancher who lives down the road from me. A hard-bitten old bard of the land. So imbued with agrarian wisdom that I used to find myself working for him. On my days off from trucking. Splitting firewood. Opening gates. Grinding feed all in hopes of being there when he dropped yet another nugget of rustic wisdom that I might convert into a song. He shall here be called Lucas Brown. I bumped into Lucas down at Shore's Garage in Modoc, Indiana, back in January, smack dab in the dead of another Indiana winter, or at least what should have been the dead. This last winter here was the warmest in a generation. I asked Lucas whether the mild weather was helping or hurting his ranch. His sun-worn face was lined with worry. Pneumonia weather, he said. Hard keeping old brood cows alive when it's 38 and raining. Being from the rural Midwest, one's worldview is affected by the weather more than you realize. After months of unseasonable warmth and easier-than-usual heating bills, some old boy with white socks and a seed cap down at the garage could be heard saying, We're going to pay for all this. There's that part of me that just wants to say, Why can't you just be grateful, Grandpa, and simply enjoy today? Why do you have to downmouth everything? I don't say it, because I know the old man is right. Sooner or later, the Midwestern God will cut you down. And the weather in Indiana proves that axiom time and time again. Ergo, giddiness about any run of good fortune is prescribed here. You learn to talk poor, even when things are dandy, and not to go flashing your good luck around. I was reminded of this while taking a tanker load of milk to Kentucky on Christmas Day. It was a sunny, gorgeous 64 in Cincinnati. The road was bone dry and I was doing my best not to enjoy it. A traffic snarl around the eight-mile marker found me getting on the brakes fast, and the surge of that 49,000-pound load of liquid bucked hard. Moments later, when road speed resumed, there was a man in a fancy convertible with the top down pacing me, riding right alongside. I didn't look down. I've learned not to. There are some things you just can't unsee. After about a mile, he sped away, shaking his fist in the air. Now, just what was this guy's problem? After a while, I see him pulled over on the side of the road, all dressed up in his Christmas outfit. Out he comes, brandishing a smartphone pointed straight at me. This time I do look. 
and is that milk all down the side of his car? I didn't know this before I pulled a milk tanker, and maybe you didn't either. The tanks are vented up in the top dome. The first time I saw milk down the side of my trailer, it was my second day on the job. I was petrified. I thought maybe the guy at the farm closed the lid in a cockeyed manner, and it was all my fault for not catching it when I climbed up there and checked the seal. Turns out it was completely normal for a little bit of milk to spill out. A hard break in a traffic snarl can also cause a little more milk to get out. And that milk can get on people's cars. So sure, go ahead and put your top down on Christmas Day and ride through the center of Cincinnati, Dapper Dan. Yes, I know it's 64 degrees. But as for that milk that's leaking out of the vent and onto your fine upholstery and your Christmas clothes, know this. I had nothing to do with it. That was an act of the Midwestern God, brother, rebuking you for your giddiness, reminding you that we're all going to pay for this. It's about an hour and a half to my Indiana farmhouse from the Ohio terminal I run out of. Going home for a truck driver these days can be fraught with a complex psychology, for sure. There are plenty in my loose circle around the nation who, for now, just won't do it until the smoke clears for fear of what they might not know they're bringing home. Packs of socially distanced support have been made by many. Careful transfer of clean and dirty linens out onto a carport between driver and spouse. A good night's sleep or two in the old peat out in the driveway. Load up the cooler and then back to the road. My wife Denise and I haven't hammered out any solid plan for ourselves when Denise comes down with a fever asking me to pick up a thermometer on the way home from the terminal. I've been on the road just four and a half days. A little checking around by both of us, and it becomes clear the answer will be the same everywhere. No, sir, we are completely sold out of thermometers, and we have no idea when more are coming. Who goes through a global pandemic this woefully unprepared? That would be me, dear reader. It turns out I should have been hoarding hand sanitizer and medical supplies back on Black Friday. The payment for that 64-degree Christmas has officially commenced. I make it home empty-handed and at wit's end. She tells me her fever is broken for now. I wash my hands and feel her head. Still feels pretty hot to me. There's a lot of bugs going around right now. Folks here think it never got cold enough to kill off the germs. Still, every sniffle carries the threat of COVID-19 these days. We call the doctor in the morning. With the fever break, her symptoms don't warrant an appointment as of yet. The nurse tells us to call right away if symptoms return. Denise tells me she'll be all right, and by the next day I'm back out on the road. In the days that followed... We decided to forge a different path. We chose after three weeks of isolating ourselves from one another as best we could to simply be together all the time, come what may. This wasn't a decision we took lightly. The anguish of uncertainty for both of us, now in our sixties, of what might come upon the other if we were a thousand miles apart, became a more immediate contagion than the plague itself. 
I know to some this will come across as Beach Bro 2.0, but it's our decision, arrived at over the course of several agonizing conversations, and we are at peace with it. Godspeed to all. That piece you can also read via the Overdrive Extra blog, where Marhofer continued this past Monday, April 13th, with the following. It starts out with a little bathroom stall style uh, limerick, as it were. And keep in mind through the piece that the week he's talking about is last week, ending around April 10th. The limerick goes a little like, Nowhere's to shower, nowhere's to set. The more essential I'm getting, the stinkier I get. LHP. Sometimes my mind reverts to the thousands of bathroom walls I've read out here. Who can forget the ubiquitous and unfortunately named North Carolina camel jockey, whose moniker graced the walls of nearly every truck stop stall I christen throughout the South from the late 80s clear through the early aughts? Or the scribbled admonition at nearly every blessed Union 76 upon whose pearl-white porcelain I happen to be planted. Flush twice, it's a long way to the kitchen. Normally, if you saw that one, somewhere to the right you'd see, Don't look here, the joke is in your hands. Ha ha. These days, I've resorted to composing bathroom wall limericks simply as a means of not crying. Upon learning there were no available showers at the Walton, Kentucky Flying J this past Thursday due to the coronavirus, I wrote the aforementioned. Okay, I know it's not Carl Sandburg, but you get what you pay for, driver. I'll say that cleaning showers at a truck stop is not a job I'd personally want right now. Truthfully, I can't say whether staffing issues were the cause or not in this case. But let's face it, if a Kentuckian takes a notion to leave, brother, they're gone. I've never met a job-scared Kentuckian in my life. They'll up and quit a gig like they had $30,000 worth of mad money in the bank. Not too far away, up in Sunbury, Ohio, the stoic Buckeyes were keeping the hygienic torch burning, with the shower facilities at the Flying J there wide open. Speaking of reversion, Denise now follows me into every shower I take, making certain I follow the strictest sanitary practices recommended by the CDC. She ain't about to lose her moneymaker. Just kidding. Kind of. While I was wrapping things up, we overheard a shower attendant and a trucker talking in the hallway amongst themselves. The attendant was describing the vile, horrible mess that another trucker had just left him to clean up, and the driver was commiserating. It had been an equally horrible week in our nation. On April 7th alone, a North Carolina-based trucker went on a stabbing spree at a pilot truck stop near Knoxville, snuffing out the lives of three beloved female truck stop workers there, while leaving a female bystander in critical condition. John Prine, perhaps the most revered songwriter in our nation's history, left this world due to the coronavirus. 
An untold number of truckers were witnessing a precipitous drop in posted loads. One of my colleagues here at Overdrive told me it looked like about as big of a single-week drop on the spot market as he'd ever seen. I rarely speak of the macrocosmos, so to speak, here. Frankly, it's a place I try to keep out of. But we're living in an epoch of unprecedented uncertainty. And to suggest that it doesn't make it hard to keep one's head in the game these days by not talking about it would be a lie of omission. But I don't know. Sometimes I wonder about that sentence. Maybe I should not talk about it. Stuff it down. I don't know. Anyways, maybe former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger put it best in his Wall Street Journal op-ed piece dated 4-3 of 2020, pointing to the chaotic closing-off acts of nations in this crisis as akin to the old walled city model of the state. As he said, the pandemic has prompted an anachronism. Anachronism, indeed. My wife just became my mom. What is this, the Catalina Swim Club circa 1965? We don't go into truck stop showers together, dear. And I'm, am I a nine-year-old kid? But there she is, fully clothed, eyeing me like a hall monitor. Still, maybe she's right. Maybe there's something to this whole herd immunity thing. Maybe together we can keep the sickness away. I place an unprecedented denomination on the sink of the shower room. I look at her. She nods. Okay, she says. Then adds, first thing we've agreed on all day. That's it for this hopefully diversionary edition of Overdrive Radio for what's been perhaps the toughest week for the owner-operator business I've seen in my 13 years at Overdrive. As a Texas-based hotshot owner-operator told me over email this week, smarting from the decline in oil field work in the region at a very brass tax level, quote, I still see many hotshots going north and south along Highway 59, so there are some loads out there. The key is if your customers are still in business. If not then it's a marketing issue. How to get the word out? That is the question. I will let you know how it goes. It might be a good topic for Overdrive. I'd say so. Thanks, Rick.